This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Next to dry fly, streamers provide some of the most fun experiences on the river for fly fishers. Maybe I'm fond of streamers because I grew up fishing spinners for trout. Uh, when I was a kid, I used a MEPS number two, and eventually I made my own spinners from parts I bought at Cabela's or Herders. That was a company that's long been out of business. But there's something about stripping in a streamer only to feel that jolt when a trout attacks it. And today we're going to talk about fly fishing with streamers, and we've asked our good friend Dave Cumling to join us because he is the best when it comes to fishing streamers. Dave is a longtime outfitter in the Bozeman, Montana area. He's a former fly shop owner, a Trout Unlimited employee, and he has a heart for getting wounded veterans out on the water. Uh, Dave, it's great to have you back on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me back. I've been looking forward to this. Well, we have too. And I guess one thing, uh, as we... We're all still in the middle of this pandemic, and I'm I'm curious, how has this affected the fly fishing industry in southwest Montana, specifically the, the Bozeman area? What have you seen? When we had the 14-day quarantine before, if you traveled in here, you had to quarantine for 14 days. That obviously killed guide service, except with people that lived here. And there was some of that, but for traveling anglers, there's no way anybody could f- quarantine 14 days to hang around here to just to fish for a couple So that just shut guide service down. Then there was a time when our governor, don't get me started on this, declared that fly fishing shops were not essential businesses and uh, had to close. When you had big box store, sporting goods stores wide open and them selling all of our stuff, all of their stuff, we couldn't have a fly shop open. And we had made preparations at our store, deflector shields, sanitization stuff, staff had masks. We had masks for customers, and we were ready to do a business with curbside pickup and limited shop stuff, and he wouldn't let us open. So the shop was closed, couldn't do do anything. Obviously, that just killed business. For a while, there was nothing going on. Now, the good news is quarantine's off. People are seeking to maintain their sanity by going fishing. There's a lot of people fishing. Guide services pick that up. You go out to the rivers and streams, you see lots of people fishing. Business has, has... Pick back up. I talked to the uh, new owner of my fly shop, and it's they're still down for the year. But uh, during this most recent time period, they're pretty close to where they were last year, business-wise. So that's the good news. It seems like it is picking back up. And barring this closure, shutdown, quarantine stuff, uh, it doesn't look great, but it looks considerably better than it did back in March and April. Good. It's good to hear that. Well, why don't we begin today with? the topic of streamer fishing. And maybe Dave, you can begin with a story about perhaps your favorite place to fish streamers, what you love about it. You don't have to name the stream, uh, but maybe tell a story about a particularly great day that you had recently. First of all, streamers are effective on all species of trout, but I think clearly they're, they're more effective on browns than they are on uh, the other trout species here. And so my favorite streams are brown trout rivers. 
and that would be, you know, the Yellowstone's in there. It's got a great brown trout population. You guys have fished that. Big Hole's another one. Um, Jefferson has a big brown trout population. Um, so does the Madison River. But they're all my favorite places when the conditions are right. So I don't really have one favorite place to fish. I probably probably go to the Yellowstone to fish streamers more than I go anywhere else. And part of that is because it's close and it has a good brown trout population and the largest fish in that river are browns. Um, so that would be my favorite place. What do I love about it? Well, you described it earlier. Um, streamer fishing, it has a visual component that nymph fishing does not really, because when you're nymph fishing, typically you're watching for line movement or indicator movement. In dry fly, you get to see the fish rise, right? So that's like a video game. You guys have done a lot of streamer fishing. Brown trout, or the streamer fishing is somewhat similar in that quite often there's a visual take. You can see fish coming to take streamers under many conditions. Sometimes it's taken deep and all you do is get the good hard strike, but lots of times you can see them. And I'm sure you've done this. To me, there's nothing quite like when you're fishing a streamer in good brown trout water and the conditions are are right. You know, it's overcast. Maybe the water's off color slightly. And you cast your streamer in there to, to a likely looking spot, take a couple of strips, and you see the brown trout coming. You see it coming. And you see it, you know it's coming. And it's coming on the dead run. And they're right there. They just, I look at that and I think, he's going to kill this. And, and <laughs> then a strip later, they take it. So the visual aspect of streamer fishing to me is intriguing. It's a lot, it's even more exciting than dry fly fishing, as much as I like that. If they're taking streamers and hunting streamers and they're chasing them down and the big fish are working, there's nothing like it, I don't think. And so that's uh, that's what I love about it. It's um, also, as you know, the trout, the trout have to satisfy a basic biological formula to feed. And that is they have to take, generally speaking, they have to take more calories or energy in than they expend to do the feeding or they just don't do it. They don't do things too much for the fun of it. So streamer flip patterns, typically imitating other fish, cr crustaceans, uh, that sort of thing, bait fish. They're generally larger, a little larger pattern, bigger source of food. So they satisfy the basic biological formula for a big trout to expend some energy to come and eat. Whereas that large brown trout at the bottom of that hole is not likely to come to the surface for a single caddis might come up and feed around the top if there's a whole bunch of them, but you'll get that same fish to move to a streamer. And so you move the big fish. And so that's what I love about it. I think that provides the best opportunity to take larger trout, especially browns. Hey, let me ask you this. So what, what's the, uh, what's the biggest fish you've ever caught on a streamer? You know, I don't have like one epic fish that I've caught the fish that, that sticks in my memory the most is one I didn't catch. And that was <laughs> not a fish that I lost, but a fish that I saw. And it was uh, fishing the Madison below Varney, one of the pools in the fall, throwing streamers on a sink tip out at the, into the tail out of a, of a pool, likely spawning area. And I had a brown trout follow in my fly literally to my feet, almost in a musky-like fashion. Didn't take, but it swam right around in front of me and then turn and ambled back into the pool and I've seen a lot of big fish in the river and I know that there are some in this bracket but it was the largest brown trout I've ever seen in the Madison and I think somewhere in the 30 inch bracket 
You know, wow. so that's that's a ten or eleven pound fish. I've never landed a brown that big, but that took my breath away. And uh, of course, I went back to fishing with a frenzy and never saw it again. But I saw that fish clear as day. The light was right, and it was about couple of feet behind the fly and it wasn't really on its way to kill it but it was interested so anyway I've caught a lot of really nice fish but the uh, largest fish that I've ever caught on a streamer is a muskie and I think I've told you guys about the muskie trips yep. that I've had and and fishing and uh, we were fishing the Namakagan I think it was on the Namakagan but Fishing water type and and stream not that different looking than our trout streams in Montana, and instead of moving nice 20 inch brown trout, we were moving 40, 30, 40, and 50 inch muskies, and uh, I didn't catch wow. any 50 bracket, but I caught one close to 40, and that and watching uh, those fish hunt down a streamer was that was addicting, so that's the biggest fish I've ever caught on a streamer but not a trout um, haven't had any recent days on streamers it, it really streamer time around here much as you guys know it's bright sunny the water's getting warm uh, so I don't have a recent story sometimes there are myths that surround streamers for example I think when, when you first start out fly fishing you tend to fish dry flies, you, you know, you get an Adams, you get a uh, elk here caddis, and then you start there. And then you kind of move then to nymphs. And I, I would say that streamers, at least for me, I should just talk about myself. It wasn't until later in my years of fly fishing that I really picked up streamers. Are there any myths about streamer fishing? Anything that comes to mind? One of the things that I've learned, and I've talked about this with a good friend of mine, Mike Lawson, the founder of Henry's Fork Anglers, there's a lot of uh, focus right now on people that I'm not picking on Kelly Gallup, but it's the Kelly Gallup School of Streamer Fishing, where the bigger the streamer, the better. And I think that's a myth. I don't think it takes. I've seen the large, really large trout move to a size. It's a little bigger fly, but it's like a size six streamer. And a lot of the streamer guys now are fishing. Uh, uh, articulated four or five, six inch streamers, and they catch fish on those, mind you, but I don't think you necessarily have to do that to catch the big ones. All sort of a myth. You can fish streamers anytime. A lot of times people focus on the fall, you know, brown trout. That's a good time to fish them, but you can fish anytime the conditions are there. I had Barry Nearing, who's a fisheries biologist in Colorado, tell me a story, and they used to do population estimates on the Gunnison. And they'd get brown trout and uh, shock them up and then bring them in and release them on a bright sunny day. And they'd release the rainbows and those rainbows would swim right back out in the riffle and stay there. When they released the brown trout, the brown trout went right underneath all the moss and the overhangs and buried themselves. They never went back out in the sunlight. And uh, he said that's a genetic thing with the fish. So those are conditions because I'm mostly looking for browns. Um, fishing streamers and so if, if it's bright and sunny unless I just want to entertain myself I don't generally fish them so I can't think of any other myths particularly yeah let me ask you this so you mentioned a few moments ago when you were on the Madison once and you had a sink tip line on how do you determine uh, you know we have a lot of listeners who are are new to fly fishing and 
And how do you determine whether you just put, you know, a couple split shot on, you know, the front of your streamer and that's good enough, or uh, you know, or you switch to a, you know, a, a reel or, or right. a spool with sink tip? Yeah, kind of what what makes the difference there? Well, first thing that jumps into my head is time of year. If if I'm out on the Yellowstone fishing, the known spawning pools, the tailouts of, of pools, then I will a lot of times use a sink tip, uh, very rarely a full sinking line, but a sink tip just because if those fish aren't right up in the tailout spawning, they're moved up and they're in a little bit deeper water. So if I feel like I need to get down to the fish, I will use a sink tip. Most of my streamer fishing though is done, done on a floating line or I might splice on a real short uh, sink tip if the water's a little higher, but I don't use a lot of sinking lines. I fish mostly floating lines on my streamers, and it seems to be pretty effective. So it'll depend on water conditions. If I feel like not getting down into these pockets and holes, then I may I may go to a tip then. But I'm not a big sinking line guy, on uh, or sinking tip guy necessarily. Yeah, the feel is so different, isn't it? That. Uh... Yeah, I think especially for new fly fishers, boy, just put more weight on on you know your your leader above your uh, uh, your streamer. But yeah, sink tip is a completely different animal, and I've I've used one for streamer fishing before. In fact, I've used one on the Missouri at different times. But boy, it it really does feel different, and, and unless I need to, yeah, I just prefer to go yeah uh, with the regular line. Well, that's the way I am. No, a lot of people swear by by sinking lines and sinking tips. Um, of all the years I was in the fishing business though, you don't sell that many tips and sinking lines uh, to folks. It's I think most, most people are fishing their streamers on dry lines and doing just what you said. The one thing I do occasionally is I carry some of those loop on sink tips, two or three of them, different lengths and different sink rates. And I might loop on a tip if I feel like it, rather than take my spool off and have to re-thread the rod with a whole new, uh, you know, spool and sink tip line, and then if I get back to where I don't want that thing, I take it apart again. Either that, or take it, bring another rod along, I guess. But anyway, yeah. I'm, so I'm mostly a floating line guy. Yeah, the one time I've used sink tip maybe more effectively is if I'm fishing a lake. I used to catch, you know, catch some really nice cutthroat and other things up there in Highlight Reservoir just above Bozeman, and I'd use a sink tip and. You know, just stripping in streamers and that that works, but uh, sure. yeah, just just for regular fishing, I think you're right. So, uh, Dave, as you uh, approach a day on the river and you're going to fish streamers, are you generally fishing at an angle downstream? I I notice when we've fished together and I've watched you fish, often you're fishing at an angle downstream. Uh, obviously, it depends on the river and the runs that you're trying to fish, but just describe maybe several typical scenarios when you're moving up or down the river. Well, I like to fish either straight across or an angle down just because I feel like you need to have some movement in the streamer. And if you throw upstream, it's harder to get that movement because you're always having to strip just to keep up with the fly and it's not swinging or moving, it's just dead drifting. Sometimes dead drifting streamers work. For the most most part, I will fish from out of the boat straight into the bank, and if I want to get it down a little bit, I might 
I might go to cast ahead of the boat. And a lot depends, too, whether I'm in the boat or waiting because it's a little bit different. So angle down gives me streamer movement, and that's my most productive way. But I have confidence in it, and I've told you guys before, that's the way I fish, and I catch fish, and you catch fish, you have more confidence. So you end up doing all the same thing because you have success with it, right? But a couple years ago, I fished with a couple guys from Wisconsin who fished the driftless a lot. And I watched them fish streamers, and I don't know that water, but they they fished their streamers upstream. They threw them straight up above them and then stripped them down through the holes. And they did that over on Willow Creek. You guys know that. And that's where I was fishing with them. And they fished some of those holes below rocks and stuff by casting up and stripping straight downstream. And they had a lot of luck. And I sense have adapted that so it depends i'd say quartering downstream is my my normal approach but if i'm waiting especially if i'm waiting a stream like that and you and i we've fished a couple that i've used that uh same technique that throwing up and stripping down and it it works it's only been a couple years that i've fiddled around with it but it can it can really work but streamer movement i'm not real big on dead drifting so i think i get streamer movement better by going quartering down another question that it may seem obvious to veteran fly fishers, but uh, for those who are newer, uh, Dave, what size rod, line weight do you like to use for streamers? And I and I know it kind of depends a little bit on you know what what river you're fishing, what the conditions right. are, but just all around, what what are how do we think about what size rod and what line weight we want to use? You know, there's several parts to that answer, so. If I'm float fishing and I'm going to fish streamers, let's say I've gone over the Yellowstone in the fall and I'm really set on fishing streamers, then I fish my eight weight, a nine foot eight weight, because I know I'm going to throw some larger flies. I might throw a stink tip here and there. Uh, so I fish that. So the larger line weight just makes that, throwing that larger fly and all that junk much easier than if you're trying to do that with a light line rod. You can still do it. I mean, I've gone out and fished with my five. But it's more work. That big rod makes that easier. So that's kind of an out-of-the-boat fall thing. Um, like in that um, Willow Creek stream that we fish together, most of the time I'm fishing that with my five weight uh, or my maybe a six. But that's always generally sh relatively short line fishing, so that's a different animal whatsoever. I don't fish streamers with anything under five. Uh, weight and I like my five weights if I'm going to fish streamer on to be a little quicker so they can pick it up and lay it down. I don't like to have to do a lot of false casting with the streamer to generate line speed to get the fly out and so you need a little more powerful rod to do that but um, anyway that could have wandered all over the place on that answer but it, it depends on the stream and, and the size of fly whether I'm uh, in the boat or waiting like, I have never used an eight-weight throwing streamers in Willow Creek. Not not needed. I do quite a bit out of the boat. Like, go over the big hole, throw streamers or Yellowstone. I almost always use my eight-weight. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If you're on bigger rivers and you're ex going to fish exclusively streamers, yeah, if you have a you have an eight-weight, take that. I mean, anybody who has a nine-foot, six-weight, especially even a five-weight, I mean, you can, you can always fish that. That's oh, good. But, yeah. But that's the time to leave your eight foot four at, you know, at home or in the truck. That's that's great for dry flies, but that's light for uh, streamers. 
Yeah, the rods, that's a good point. The rod's just not built, that four-weight is not built to fish that way. And it, it takes some of the fun out of it if you're having to fight against your fly rod. Like you, you've got a four-weight that you bring along, and you want to throw. You decide you want to throw streamers on that, and you get a size six or four cone head, you're going to end up having to false cast that, and the rod just is never going to really have the power to deliver the fly. You lose some accuracy because the rod just isn't built to throw that. And so um, that drives me nuts, and I've done it. And I'm thinking, why am I throwing this streamer on a four-weight? And it's, uh, it's way more work. So, yeah, I think you can do it on a five. But if, if your mindset is to go out and you're going to throw some streamers, then I think probably you'd probably want to go. You want either a good, fairly stiff, powerful five or a six. And you know the funny thing is, I used to have a seven weight that I fished, and I loved it. But this is a could be the basis of a whole other show. The seven weight has gone away. Do you know of anybody that buys seven weights anymore? No. You remember that used to be the rod line weight that everybody bought, that in the middle? I can remember when I first opened the shop, we sold a ton of Orvis all-rounders. That was an eight-foot, I think, six-inch or something, seven-weight. And, and then they had an advantage, a nine-foot, three, seven-weight. And I sold a ton of sevens. And I hardly ever see anybody with a seven anymore. Then I think that's just habit. But that's a good line weight. But something that's got enough backbone to make repeated casts without a lot of false casting, to deliver a fly with accuracy, because you want accuracy. So if your rod hasn't got the backbone to do it, and be accurate, you're going to miss opportunities to catch fish. I have actually some video of you fishing streamers uh, on one of our on one of our days. It's it's when you're making these short casts to the bank, and you're not letting out. You're not tossing a lot of line. The line that you have out is the line you're casting pretty much, but you're using Tom Morgan's uh, twitch method of fishing streamers. And maybe you could describe that because I, it's really intriguing. And, you know, after you catch, you know, nine fish to every one of ours, uh, I think you're on to something. But, but could you describe that a little bit? Well, I had the good fortune of, of spending a lot of time with Tom, talking to him. Unfortunately, spent most of that time after he was struck with his disease and was incapacitated. But I used to go out to his house, Tom Morgan Rodsmiths, and we'd talk about stuff. And I did some field testing for him for his rod company, not Winston, but the Tom Morgan Rodsmiths thing. I don't know how he got onto the thing, but we got to talking streamers, and I I had never read his Twitch article. Have you read that ever? Have you I did. Ever dialed that up? Yeah. I never read the thing. So I told him, I said, I described what my technique was, and then Tom said, you need to read my article. And so I did. I went on there. He had it on his website. And I went and read that. I said, son of a gun, he, this is just about what I do when I fish streamers. And that's a lot of people. You talked earlier, Steve, about about uh, spinners, and I fish plenty of them. But for the most part, the, stream, or the spinner approach is you cast it out, reel it in. Now, you might vary that retrieve, but most spin fishermen throw that maps in there and just retrieve it, right? I look at the fly rod, and it, you can't make as many casts uncover quite as much water with a uh, fly rod as you can with a spinner. But I maintain you can get a lot more a lot more interesting lure movement out of a fly rod than you can with a spinner. And so I like to do that short line stuff, Dave, because 
I end up using mostly rod tip and not stripping to give my fly movement. I, I strip, in essence, I strip line just to keep the line taut in touch with my fly. I'm just pick up line to keep in touch. And I use my rod tip, the twitch, lift, twitch, twitch. I use that to give the fly movement. And all I'm doing when I'm stripping is essentially picking up the loose fly line. I'm not really trying to rely on the stripping to get the movement. I fish with a lot of anglers. They cast the stream, the streamer out and they just strip back in the same cadence, not varying anything. You know, eight, 10 inches at a time. They pick it up, they cast it again. And I look at the fly rod with its uh, suppleness and movement. You can do a lot of things. I don't know how many times, you know, I've cast a fly into a spot, give it a couple twitches, let it drop and twitch it again. And the, the second time I move it, it gets hit. And I think that fish saw that thing and it saw the food drop. And as soon as it moved again, that evasive action, and I did that all with my rod tip, I get the strike. And so over the years, I have relied far more on rod tip movement than stripping. And frankly, on a small stream like Willow Creek, where we fished, you don't ever really have to strip. You just pick it up, throw it in, and use your rod tip for the for the movement. So that's there's more a lot more to it in Tom's article. But if you got a way to dig that up, it might still be on their website. But I'm sure you can find it, and I might have it still. But it it's really good to read, I think, and I know it's an effective technique, and produces uh, produces trout. Well, that's really helpful, Dave. Hey, I think we have time. Maybe we can each ask you one more question. This is this is great, uh, man. I'm I'm pumped to get out and fish streamers <laughs> again. Uh, let's talk a little bit about size and color. Do you ever? What What do you think about going up and down in size? And then, you know, what about color? I'm not. I'm not. I I fish them, but I'm generally not gonna select for the articulated, the really big ones. Because one, as I said earlier, I'm not convinced that's what you need to, to move the big fish. In fact, I'm virtually certain of it. And Lawson's a really good fisherman. Mike is as fine a fly fisherman as anybody I know, and he's in total agreement. He and I have talked about this. Tendency to go to these great big streamer flies that you see, and those are a pain in the butt to cast. I don't know about you guys, if you fish them, I get tired of fishing those in a hurry, and I don't think you need to do that so i don't generally start with that great big stuff um it depends on the stream if i'm fishing a yellowstone and streamer i might go i might start with a two a size two and and uh, sometimes i'll drop sizes i don't for whatever reason and i don't fish those that big a one when i go to those smaller streams like we fish together i might go down to a six or an eight um so i do move around size but i Generally, stay away from the great big double-jointed stuff. Now, my son will argue against me vehemently because he likes to fish the great big stuff and throw those big flies, but he ends up throwing them on a nine-weight half the time, and that's too much like work for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so as far as colors go, I've always been an earth tone guy. I like I liked the olives, blacks, and browns. I like materials. I'm fond of particular materials. I think you can put marabou on the end of anything and catch fish with it. You know, the movement, you throw in rubber legs, uh, you get that when you articulate a fly, but but movement like that is uh, is a key to me in the pattern. But earth tone, earth tone colors 
are where I go most often. There's one color that I just have had a lot of luck. And when you look at streamer patterns over the years that have worked well, I like yellows and browns in combination, which you get in a, you get it in that JJ's yeah. streamer. And that's, a, that's one of my favorite streamers now. You also get that, and I think I've told you this story before, about the, you get that in a Platte River Special, which is a, a married uh, brown and furnace. It's a spruce fly. You know that pattern, Platte River? Look that one up. So here's a quick story for you. So Bob Jacklin used to come into our shop and tie flies. He'd tie all day, and then he'd give them away, the patterns to the people that were around the room. One day I was in watching... He got done, the flies were being passed around, and he said, Dave, take one. And I said, I'll wait till the end. So we got to the end, and the only fly that was left in the cup was a Platte River Special. I took that fly and put it in my fly box. One day on the opening day at Willow Creek, that was out with my son, and just on a whim, I decided to tie on that Platte River Special. So I tied that Platte River Special on, and we were having pretty good fish, and my son and I, you know how that correct fish is. Though it's, I think it might have been an opening day, so it was exceptionally good. But I put that Platte River on, and Christopher's a really good fisherman, and I outfished him probably three or four to one. Those fish just crushed that thing. So then I went home and tied up a bunch of them, and it's not one you're going to find in many fly shops. And I tied up a bunch, and I put a cone head on a couple. And that's a pattern that I still fish quite a bit, and it's not one of the the popular ones, but it's got the coloration. It's, it's furnace and... And uh, it's two furnace hackles uh, married around a yellow saddle hackle in the middle. And it's, uh, you put, I think, like a brown uh, chenille body on them. You can rib them. But it's a very simple streamer pattern, sort of like spruce flies. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's another pattern that nobody fishes anymore. That Lawson and I have had this discussion about spending a whole year fishing old school patterns and keeping track of our success. And the, and the spruce fly, light and dark, is a fly that Mike and I agree should be in the fly box if we're doing that. So is a muddler minnow, and so is a Platte River. And those flies, I doubt seriously, are hardly ever fished anymore. Um, and I know they still work. So those, that's my color stuff. So size, I don't change size a lot. I stay away from the great big stuff because it's too hard to cast. And I don't see the difference in productivity, even on size. Earth tone colors. But I don't do a lot yeah. of changing. I don't do a lot of pattern yeah. changing. That's helpful. That's helpful to know. You know, I have to laugh. You talk about size. We were, Dave and I were in uh, Blue Ribbon Flies once down in West Yellowstone when Craig Matthews was in. And he was he was telling us about some fly fisher who was throwing a streamer, he said, as big as a Buick. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that's a, good, that's a good way to describe it. So There's a but lot yeah. of people that fish that way. And like I said... Uh, Mr. Gallup has made a, a reputation on his great big streamer flies. And I know they work, and I know he catches big fish. I'm not saying they don't work. It's just it's too, it's too much like work for me. I don't want to work that hard all day long casting. One final question is, what would be the single thing that fly fishers could do, a new fly fisher could do to improve his or her success rate when fishing streamers? Is there one or two things like, Hey, start doing this. Don't do that. Something that would be very practical. A lot of flycasters, they don't, they don't handle the handle line as well as they need to to be an effective streamer fisherman. 
I think one of the things to, because in the small stream we talked about not retrieving line, but if I'm fishing a larger river, then I am retrieving line. And a lot of people, the casting and shooting and stripping is like rubbing your head and patting your tummy. You know, if you first, when you first try to do that, that cadence is hard to do. You're rubbing your tummy and patting your head. If you're not comfortable with handling line like that, like casting, shooting, and stripping, then you give up on streamer fishing really quick. When I used to run schools, we made the the uh, participants learn how to fish streamers, and they didn't like it because the casting and shooting and and uh, stripping, they just as soon make the cast out there and let it sit or drift or watch the indicator right. They didn't like doing all that extra stuff. So that was the least favorite technique amongst the students. But I remember many instances, and a couple in particular, when we introduced that technique in the school, and they and it was a good streamer day, it was overcast, maybe the weather was off a little bit, and they had some luck, the students had some luck, all of a sudden you got six people now in your class and you got six streamer addicts. I mean, they, <laughs> once, once, they have, once you have success on streamers, big fish hunting streamers, hitting it hard enough to pull the rod out of your hand, it's... It's a, it's a technique that you go back to. So what can they do? They can try it because it's not the default method of fishing for most anglers. They, and so you've got to try it. You've got to work at it. The more comfortable you get with handling a line, the more effective you'll be. And uh, you owe it to yourself, I think, to try it and learn the technique because if you stay with it, you will have one of those epiphany days when the fish are are on streamers and hitting streamers and they're chasing them down. There is nothing like to me throwing a streamer into a likely looking spot, giving one rod tip and a, and a half a strip and you see a 20 plus inch brown trout coming on the hunt. I mean, it's, you look at that thing and it's not like that gentle sipping rise to a dry fly. This fish is, is the top of the food chain in the river pretty much. And they're going to kill something. And I think there's something elevates my blood pressure about seeing that happen and <laughs> that big fish is coming i go oh boy you got that instant just before they get there i had a once upon a time another, another deal i had a guy wanted me to teach his wife how to fish and we were fishing over on the pews and we were nymph fishing and she had a small rainbow on and she was bringing it in across the water stripping it in and a big brown trout rose out of the hole it came after that fish. It came after her fish, and it was coming. And she got, she saw it. So she starts stripping real fast. She doesn't want to lose her fish. I would have sat there and waited for the thing to eat it. But she was, she wanted to get it out of the way. So she's stripping, stripping, stripping this little rainbow, and she drags it right into the moss. And that brown trout came right up to the edge of the moss and whirled and went back in the hole. Well, her husband, her husband call, caught saw that, and he said, he he shoot her out of the hole and said. Let me in there. So he stepped in. I like to say he caught it, but it was it was one of the bigger browns I've ever seen in the Spring Creek, and that thing would have definitely eaten that little rainbow if she'd have waited a little bit. But she managed to pull it out fast enough. So that's the that's the payoff to me is uh, moving that larger brown trout, getting it to hit it really hard, and uh, just the visual excitement i think for me personally the visual aspects of fishing streamers 
under those kinds of conditions, uh, they surpass dry flies to me. And a lot of people will think I'm nuts for saying that, but they do. If you gave me a really good day of streamer fishing and a really good day of dry fly fishing, I'd take the streamers. Man, this is so much uh, good, helpful stuff, Dave. We really appreciate it. We know our listeners do too. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll do it again sometime. So thanks so much. Always, always enjoy talking to you guys and, and then uh, reading the stuff that you post. I appreciate the opportunity. So you get any questions or anything on this you want to shoot my way, go ahead, and I'd be glad to answer them. But thanks for having me on. I had one more follow-up question. I, I understand sure. the Twitch method when you're short casting, but you didn't explain when you're throwing those longer casts. Like, let's say you're on the Missouri and you're casting out 50, 40 to 60 feet, right? And you're stripping it back. How do you use the twitch method when you're stripping? It's really, it's really the same thing I do, you know, on uh, on the short, on the short, small stream short line, where I'm doing it all with the same amount of line, pretty much. Although I will strip in a little bit, even on a Willow Creek thing, I might strip in a foot. But when I'm making a, let's use the, we can use the boat, or I guess wading works too. If I'm making a long cast, let's say a 50 footer or 50 plus footer out in the river to, uh, I will still strip line, but I will use the rod tip integrated in there to give that fly that, that staccato, that movement, it's hard to, to create the same movement by strip. You can do some of it by changing your strip cadence and the amount of line, but you can get a, with the suppleness of a fly rod tip, you can get much more interesting movement if you put flies side by side and try to make the fly move, uh, raise and drop. Uh, try to do that with a strip method. It, it just doesn't work as well. You can't get that kind of line movement. So on a longer cast, I'm still using the, I might make a couple of strips and then I might use my rod tip for a, for a six, for eight or 10 inches or 12 inches of retrieve. Then I make one big strip just to catch up with that, right? Because I've, I've, I've created some loose line because I do that by raising the rod tip. So I'm, I made that long cast. I got a, a strip. I got the fly under control. Then I use my rod tip for some movement, some uh, attractive movement. And then I drop my rod tip down again, and then I make a, a couple of strips, and that's just to pick up the loose line. That really doesn't move the fly much. And then I'll repeat that again. So I'll use my fly rod a little bit, then I'll make another strip and pick that up, and then use my fly rod. So I'm building strips in the middle of that staccato rod trip movement. I'll call it staccato, like music, da 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 da, like that. I use that stripping only to pick up the loose line and not really to propel the fly. I don't like the static, unchanging look of what I would call the spinner retrieve. They'd still work, mind you, but that constant, unchanging spinner blade going around without any other movement, I don't think it's as effective as what you can get out of a fly that's got some marabou and rubber legs, and you can make that pulse and move and make it look like it's alive. You can make your lure look much more lifelike with fly rod movement, uh, and I say mostly in the in the tip as opposed to stripping. I, I know you can, but the difference between like the I don't need to strip anything on Willow Creek because I only got a six foot piece I can fish right, and you can do that mostly on a cast and then the rod tip, and then I pick it up and cast again. But I'm always picking up and shooting a little bit of line. Going back to what um, you talked about earlier, this takes some work for a lot of people. I think. 
if you're going to fish streamers in larger water, anglers have to be understand how you manage line to, to shoot line of of some distance. And most people don't. That's a that's a topic for a another show. You know, if you're making casts where you're shooting 20, 25 feet of fly line, there's a technique on how to manage that line to get that 20 feet to shoot. And uh, a lot of people don't know how to do that. So if you got 25 a 20 foot pile of line there. You're trying to uh, you want to shoot out. I always tell people if you're doing that, you don't want to put that line when you're stripping it in all in one pile. We've talked about before stripping the concentric circle, so I cast and shoot all my line out right. So I retrieve and strip, and I make three when I've made three strip three strips into the pile, then I grab again. Then the next one is two strips, so you've got a three a three strip ring if this makes any sense then you've got a two strip ring and then the last one is i just do one strip so i've got three two one now this is on the same cast so i've got three two one i've got six strips there they're all different size the bottom ones are three coil or, or three strip coils the next ones are two strip coils and the last one's one when you shoot that line out at the end of a false cast it goes through way better than if you've got it all piled up. If you take that entire pile of line and just throw it in a pile and then cast, it tends to get caught on itself and all come up in a bunch. I'm sure you've run into that. Oh, it all yeah. comes up and knots against a, a uh, the first stripping guide. But if you lay that down, and that's kind of what stripping baskets are about, and if you're in the boat, I do it too. But if I'm in the stream, I do the same thing. So I've got three strips and then I've got two strips and then I've got one and then I'll false cast that and I got one out and maybe I get the two out and then the last one I can I've got enough line in there I can make that three coil cast and it'll just it'll all shoot out pretty consistently and never uh, never ball up I, I didn't explain that very well but the control the control of fly, fly line not only with the stripping and the rod tip but also the casting because people get pretty frustrated try to handle yeah, yeah. that uh, that much line, which brings me to the fact that I always leave a fair amount of fly line, like that three coil strip in the water to shoot at the end as opposed to trying to carry that in the air. Does that make sense? People try to carry too much line in the air and not shoot enough. If you've laid the line down properly and you have a decent cast going, you ought to be able to pick 20, 25 feet up off the ground and shoot it back out rather than having to carry that as soon as you try to carry that 25 feet in the air, most people, if they have much line out, their casts break down, you know what I'm saying? The rods don't have the power or they don't have the ability. So then their cast break down and everything falls in a big pile. They get frustrated. This is a technique that people will try and abandon if just left to their own devices. Unless they have some luck, they will try it and abandon because it's too much work. If you put workplace descriptions on work dry flies white collar hmm. nymphin is kind of middle management streamer fish is blue collar work man it's a similar <laughs> line of work. Yeah. Yeah. it's a lot of work and it's more casting and more line control it's not the default thing but once you master it if you're after larger fish and you're after that thrill the visual take the visual take on the streamer as you well know far surpasses the visual take on a dry. As cool as that is, there's nothing like the slam of a, of a streamer. When you, 
uh, see them. I've sometimes had that take where you didn't see the fish. It's come from the side, and I'm stripping along, and all of a sudden, boom, my, my streamer just jumps, jumps three feet to the left because some old brown trout just annihilated the thing. You know, I didn't even see it till the end. So that, that to me is uh, when people experience that. I've never had anybody have the experience of, of uh, having some streamer success that didn't become a pretty much committed streamer fisherman. Um, a lot of people try it and didn't like it. Oh, I don't like it. It's too much casting. I really can't, I really can't strip line that well. Part of me wants to go, well, it's you with it. Just quit whining. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. it's work. You'll, it, you want to catch fish or not. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and if you want to catch on streamers, man, as you know, there's nothing like you fish streamers hard all day, regardless of where you're doing it. You're going to be tired. Your arm's probably going to be tired. I'm at a point now where I've good i've got must have some carpal tunnel because if i go streamer fishing really hard i start to my hand starts to get numb no i mean it's it's not the it's not the technique people will choose and so they listen to the podcast and they get excited you know the the attribute as much as anything and this is true all, all kinds of fishing you gotta have patience and perseverance it's like what's that steve romans five three four we also glory in our suffering, so suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, yeah. character, and character, hope. That's a that's a biblical verse for streamer fishing. <laughs> and it's, you know, exactly. perseverance, character, and, and hope. You've got to have those. You can't quit on streamers. Uh, otherwise, you'll never reap the benefits because it's much easier to pick up on fish in a dry and fish in a nymph than it is picking up on fish and streamer. No, for sure. Man, Dave, that is such good stuff. Thanks so much. Well, hey, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. Here are a couple of comments on our piece, Five Reasons You Need a Fly Fishing Wading Staff. And that article is about four years old, so we're really glad people are still finding it and reading it. And the first comment is from Michael. Uh, I think this is terrific because it's funny and to the point. So in the article, we pointed out that a waiting staff can help with traction, stability, stamina, snakes, and climbing. And Michael commented, these also come in handy when you're trying to get flies out of a streamside brush or trees. Adds another couple feet of reach. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, man, I hate to say it, but I've, I've been there before. Yeah. I've used that to knock off branches off of a pine tree when I get my fly <laughs> stuck in it, so that's good. Hey, here's another comment on that same piece, and this actually showed up today, about three hours before we uh, uh, are recording our episode, and uh, this, came, this comes from Richard, and I, I just love this. Richard says, at very close to being 81 years young, my staff is the main and most likely the only reason I can still toss a fly while waiting. My trusty bamboo cross-country staff has saved me taking an unexpected bath in the cool waters of the Betsy River several times. Occasionally, it reminds me that it's still there as it floats behind me, but it's more important to me than my rod. My advice is never wade, especially new waters, without a staff. Man, that's great. Man, isn't that good? That is so true as well. So true. Yeah, I didn't know the Betsy River. I think it's in Michigan, maybe. 
Yeah. But, uh, yeah, great, uh, great advice. Well, hey, that's going to do it for uh, today. Uh, thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.